Hello and welcome back to the Off the Waivers podcast. I'm joined with my co-host James Andrews. I'm Eric Barnes. Today was the NBA trade deadline. A lot happened, a lot didn't happen, but let's jump right into what happened. Yeah, I was really impressed with all the moves that were made. I was a little bit concerned that it was just a lot going on in the rumor mill and that um, the GMs wouldn't actually pull the trigger and make the moves. But the Magic were very active. The Miami Heat were very active and a bunch of other moves went down. So we've got another action-packed show coming for you. So let's get right into it, Eric. All right. uh, So first, we should probably start with one of those big teams, one of those Florida teams you just mentioned. I think uh, Victor Oladipo might be one of the moves that make will make the most difference come playoff time. He was traded from the Houston Rockets to the Miami Heat at the deadline. It was one of the uh, deals that broke afterwards. It was a deal that sent Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and a pick swap back to Houston and Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat. How do you think this move will pay off for the Miami Heat going forward? I think this is a phenomenal move for the Heat. It gives them exactly who they need to compete in the Eastern Conference and then maybe even go win an NBA championship. They were shorthanded last year when they made it to the finals going up against the Lakers. They It was really clear they needed an extra score. Jimmy and Bam are phenomenal defenders and playmakers, and they do a lot for that team. But now Victor Oladipo is that guy that they need. He can come in, average 20 or even more points per game on efficient shooting. He scores from all three levels, and he's still a really good defender too. So he seems to be a perfect fit for the montage they have going on down there in Miami. I think it'll absolutely help the Heat um, accelerate their way up through the Eastern Conference, take on teams like the Bucks, the Nets, the 76ers if they have to in the playoffs. And they didn't really give up anybody that they're using now for their um, on their current rotations. So I think this was a phenomenal get by them. Yeah, I think um, he could make he come in, could come in and make a big difference. I think he uh, was someone who they probably needed. They needed another guy based on how they've been playing and. I think we mentioned on a previous podcast the loss of Jay Crowder kind of was like more than uh, they expected. And Avery Bradley was supposed to be replaced, and he wasn't really that guy. So Victor Oladipo, he doesn't have to be the Victor Oladipo he was um, before his injury. I still think he can be a really good player. I think he's a good pickup. Obviously, the Houston thing didn't really work out the way uh, any party expected it to. And I think we can get to that. But I think it's a good move for Miami. Like you said, they didn't really give up anything uh, crazy to get him. And he should make a big difference for their team uh, in the future. Now on the Houston, oh, now on the Houston side, um, I want to talk about kind of like how I feel like this was kind of a flop. I feel like Miami finessed them. And uh, would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Like I said, Avery Bradley's been hurt for the better part of two or three years now. They weren't using him at all. Kelly Olenek was getting some minutes off the bench. And then we just have pick swaps um, down the line in the future. So I'm not really sure what all Houston is getting out of this trade. Just a couple of um, mediocre role players and hopefully some decent picks that they can use um, for draft capital later on down the line. Um, they they had to move Victor Oladipo. He's an impending um free agent at coming at, at the end of the season. So there's a little bit of a risk for Miami that if he does get hurt again or he's not very effective, it's kind of a wash for them. But again, they didn't really give up that much in the first place. So the risk reward here is certainly very beneficial for them. Yeah, I could be mistaken. I think Avery Bradley was on a one year deal, so I don't think they're losing that much here. I think this is a very low risk, high reward move. Um, for the Houston Rockets, I think this is kind of like. Just been the the ultimate loss for them, uh, like based on the, how the James Harden's gone. James Harden trade is gone. 
Um, we detailed before the show, we were talking about it and this kind of like ends the, we'll, we'll see how the picks go end up being. Cause like there's plenty of picks that'll be coming along the way that they could be good. They couldn't be good. Like we never know what's going to happen in the future, but for now, like they could have had probably Karis Levert. Um, they might've even had, 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 had uh, Jared Allen if they had done it right, but they ended up flipping Karis Levert for, um, Victor Oladipo, Oladipo, he's healthy now. Victor Oladipo's not really been that great for them. And then they flipped him for this package. Um, this was really a poor move for Rockets management. I think this was a struggle for them. I think they're probably going to look back at this and regret what they did in that James Harden trade. Yeah, I think when they decided to make the James Harden trade a three-team deal and have Karis LeVert go to Indiana and Victor Oladipo come back to them, I think they were expecting Victor Oladipo to come in, play 20 or 30 games with them, and, and then to really have bounce back and re, um, rejuvenate his trade value. But that didn't really happen. He's playing on a team that's one of the last places in the Western Conference. Uh, he still was battling some minor injuries, and he really just had no motivation to go out there and play hard. So I think this is... Uh, this trade is also a very big win for him because now he gets to go to a legitimate title contender where he's not even asked to do a lot of the playmaking and defensive responsibilities he was asked to do for several years in Indiana. And now he gets to just be a scorer and um, restock his uh, free agency value and hopefully get a big contract in the offseason. But I mean, I was sitting there just like, I'd rather have Karis Silver. I don't like even when that trade happened, I was kind of in that camp where yeah, Oladipo could come in. If best case scenario, he's kind of back to his old self. And they most likely were looking to flip him from the start from there at that point. It was more of like a, it was a depreciated asset. They're trying to get his value back up so they can flip him at the deadline. But I, I'd much rather have the younger player who I think has a lot of potential to be a really good quality player for Houston. Uh, and he signed longer term than just a one year contract. So that move kind of puzzled me when it happened. Now it puzzles me even more based on what they got in return for Oladipo. So that was kind of a major L for them. Um, and then moving on to the other Florida team, we we brought up the Magic as well. They were kind of just big shoppers. They were the the clearance sell, sale. We're selling out. The entire store's closing. <laughs> we're we're rebranding. We're removing. We're moving on from our old guard. They move. They moved two players at the de- no three players at the deadline. Uh, like major players, three starters. Um, two of the major deals. They moved Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets, and they moved Nikola Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls. I want to start with the Aaron Gordon trade. He was moved to the Nuggets. The Nuggets gave him um, RJ Hampton, who was a rookie this year. They gave Gary Harris as a contract, kind of the match. And it's still, I think, a quality defender. If he can get his uh, consistency back on the offensive side, he could be a quality player. But just kind of just a contract to move in that. And then uh, uh, later first, I think it was a 2025. Uh, this was a pretty good trade for the Nuggets. I don't know um how his fit with the nuggets is i i do think that aaron gordon going to a better team will elevate his play because i feel like the magic which is not a great place for him but how do you feel about this move for the nuggets I think it's a pretty good fit all in all. I definitely think it helps the Nuggets case. Um, Aaron Gordon kind of gives them, he may even be their second leading scorer behind Jokic. He may um, outscore Jamal Murray there. And I think it gives the Nuggets a much needed scoring presence. Michael Porter Jr. is averaging around 15 points per game this season. So I think we're still a couple of years away from having him be your um, major scoring option. So they didn't give up anyone that they used in their rotation. Gary Harris has been really bad for the Nuggets this season. He's been good traditionally throughout his career. He's a good um, 3 and D wing player, but like like I said, he's been terrible for them, and they absolutely had to move, and they couldn't mm-hmm. run him out there anymore. A 
by a first round pick, which they probably won't miss anytime in the near future. And RJ Hampton, a young player with a lot of potential who actually did get some minutes for them, but isn't going to be helpful for them in the next few playoff um, uh, seasons that, that are coming up. So I think the Aaron Gordon trade was um, all in all a good move. And I think he really gives them a much needed um, asset next to Jokic that Paul Millsap just wasn't able yeah, to he cut could, it He could anymore. definitely fill that Millsap role. Yeah. He's still got really good athleticism. He can stretch the floor out and shoot the three ball pretty well. He's a great um, role man on the pick and roll, which will really help out Murray and even Jokic too. When, when Jokic is distributing passes down there and facilitating it from the center position, Aaron Gordon will be running around all around the court looking to, to get um, – and buckets for them. So I could see his scoring um, going all the way up to around 20 points per game on Denver. We know they like to get out and run. Uh, so I think it is a really good fit. Although he doesn't really help them defensively, uh, That's that really is a tough one. I think he can probably play a little bit better defense than he has been in Orlando. And maybe playing next to Jokic will help him a little bit in that aspect. Um, it's just it's tough to see. Well, I'm really interested to see how that all shakes out I defensively. I think where, you, where your head at is in the right place. I think he's like a combination of almost uh, Paul Millsap, where he has is, and like Jeremy Grant, where they had last year. It's kind of like a nice fuse of the two players, and like for their system and their, that role, like to fill that role. So I, I agree with you. I think that's a good move for them. Um, for the Magic, this was just kind of like them hitting the reset button, just get some assets back because Gary Harris. They're probably just gonna look to uh, let it move on once his contract's up, and then obviously RJ Hampton. He could turn into something, but like they have Cole Anthony, they have Markel Fultz, who's injured, who was, uh, both have been played. Uh, I think both of them injured at this point, but both of them were, uh, like playing well when they were, uh, healthy this season. So they look like they could have a nice, like three guard set or just like people to move in the future. But for the ma- magic, they were just cleaning house. And the next move they made was, or this was actually the first move they made of the day, but, the Nikola Vucevic trade to the Chicago Bulls, which I'm pretty happy about, but like it completely came out of nowhere. And for one of the first trades of the day, first big trade of the day, this was a shocker. Um, Chicago Bulls picking up Nikola Vucevic and just moving on. And they, I don't even think they gave up that much. Like Wendell Carter Jr., I guess they were, they just gave up on. He hasn't really been uh, that great. Maybe a change of scenery will change things for him, but. Two first, Wanda Carter Jr. and Michael or not Michael Porter, uh uh Otto Porter and his his expiring contract. That's I think that's a pretty solid trade. I think that's a good uh haul. And it looked like they were kind of, the Bulls are kind of rebranding their team as well and trying to really make a push towards a being a playoff team. So how do you view Nikola Vucevic to the Bulls? Overall, I think it was a really good move. This move does two things for the Bulls. One, it really helps them this season. Right now, they're in the 10 seed, which means they would make the play-in game. So having a phenomenal scorer at the center position like Vucevic will really help you a lot in your aspects in the play-in game. And then if they do get um, win that series and they get into the playoffs, he'll help them a lot in the playoff series. And he's been pretty good for the Magic. He led them um, to the playoffs the past two seasons and was good in the playoffs. So he's got some experience there. He can help out with the, with the rest of the guys, um, be a veteran leadership piece. But also, he's a piece for the future. So now you pair him and Zach Levine. You have two all-stars who are borderline superstars who can get you 25 points plus per game. Now you have something that you can build a franchise around because that's what a lot of people were questioning with Levine is, is he enough to build a championship team or even a near championship team around since they were barely even in the playoff hunt. But now I think you can definitely build around these two and say, okay, we have a solid young core in place here that we can run forward and build around for the next um, five, seven years. But – 
the problem with the Bulls is they have a lot of guys that are um, young and talented but don't necessarily complement this team. They have Laurie Markkinen, who's a power forward. He's kind of a stretch forward, but mainly a scoring first guard. So you um, now that they have their two best players, Levine and Vucevic, um, scoring first players, I think they might want to move on from him and get um, someone else who can help them more in the defensive and rebounding aspects of the game. And also one of their backup point guards, Kobe White, is also just a pure scoring type player. So I'm not sure how well he'll fit next to Zach Levine and those guys they might want to try to get uh, a name that you've mentioned before like Lonzo Ball to help um to pair with them to run points so that way really helps bring out the strengths of Levine and Vucevic scoring the ball yeah um I think you as you brought up a really good point with the Bulls they've just been gathering assets whether they fit or not really for the better part of this past decade um since they moved on from Jimmy Butler and got Zach Levine I think this Vucevic trade definitely solidifies Zach Levine as a franchise cornerstone I think you have two great franchise corner pieces or cornerstone or pieces that you have to actually build a contender now um adding I think that just like just completely solidifies Zach Levine I think you probably should have moved on from Laurie Markin at this deadline they were looking to they couldn't probably find the right trade for him He's most likely, I would say, you would let walk this offseason because I don't know what you get for him. And you probably, I don't know how well he fits with this team. Because I, I like Laurie a lot, but like you mentioned, I think someone like Patrick Williams, who's already on their roster, should probably be getting those minutes at the four and would be a great defensive piece for them. Uh, and then obviously, Kobe White, I think, still has a spot on this team. I don't know if it's as a starter, maybe more of like a really good six man role. But like I like I mentioned, I expected to see like Alonzo movement. Maybe we'll see that this offseason. But the Bulls, they still they still have a lot of moves to make uh in the future to really solidify this team, but they're heading in the right direction. And for the Magic, I like what they're doing overall. I'm not sure how well a lot of the players that they're going to get back are going to fit on this team immediately, but they're basically pressing the reset button. They've got the eighth seed um, in the Eastern Conference the past couple of seasons. They've really just been treading water um, around mediocrity there, and it's not really a place where you want your basketball franchise to be. Everyone's trying to win championships, and sometimes you do have to go backwards to go forwards. So they're hitting the reset button there. They're, they're going to have, like you mentioned, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac rejoin the team next season. They're two young people they can really build around and now they've got like Wendell Carter they can throw at center and some more um, picks that they can use uh, but I think all in all it is a really good move for them they were way too big oriented they still have like the, um, Mo Bamba there that they can run out in center if they need somebody to cover some minutes but now they've got RJ Hampton to a pair with Cole Anthony so now they've got some better young guards because that's been one of their problems is their guard play has been really lackluster and I think that they can use some of the picks to build and maybe they'll get back on top sooner rather than later. But for now, they can try to at least bottom out in the East and go to get a good draft pick. I mean, maybe you never know. Like maybe Mo Bamba with this increased role could actually be something that they expect him to be because he hasn't really been someone who's gotten consistent minutes, nor has he been someone they expected him to be when they drafted him so high uh, just a couple of years ago. But moving on to some more uh, lesser trades, but still impactful trades, in my opinion. Norman Powell moving from the Toronto uh, Raptors to the Portland Trailblazers, I think is a pretty good move. Gary Trent, I like him a lot. I think he is a great player and it was a great score from them, especially in the bubble last year. But he's a restricted free agent, uh, someone that they probably have to pay to keep around. And he's kind of redundant in their team. So I like bringing in Norman Powell, who who is a very similar player probably a better defender and probably does a lot more for your team and i think it helps solidify that backcourt um or they're just wings uh in general they moved on from uh they moved on and put sent uh gary trent and rodney hood in that deal and 
uh, Rodney Hood's been a guy who's been kind of inconsistent and not as healthy in the past couple of years. So how do you feel about this trade for both teams? I think this was a good move for the Trailblazers, a great move for the Raptors. Starting with the Raptors, they get Rodney Hood, a guy who's been kind of up and down as a role player, um, six-man scoring off the bench in his career. Maybe they get something out of him. Maybe they really don't. But the important piece is Gary Trent. He's only um 22 years old. Uh, like you said, he really broke out in the bu- bubble. He's a phenomenal shooter. He shoots at around 43% from three. He's working on also a mid-range pull-up game. Game. He's getting better defensively. He's a very willing defender, too. He'll go after the other team's best player when he is in the game and do everything he can on them. So at just 22 years old, I really love this kid's future. Um, at worst, he's just oh, he's a really good um, 3 and D wing player, mm-hmm. and his potential is actually pretty high as a player who can be a really good piece to a championship team as just a very efficient scorer, someone who doesn't need the ball in his hands. But Norman Powell is kind of the better version of um, that. He's yeah. 28 years old, so he fits in with this Portland timeline a lot better. Uh, so I think it was a little bit too much to give up Gary Trent Jr. from Norman Powell, but Norman Powell is also a really good shooter. He's also a better three-level scorer. He can get to the rim a lot easier, which is also something Portland kind of lacks a little bit when they run out C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard at the same time. So I, th- I think it was a good move for him. Um, we mentioned like Denver is, is now a championship-caliber team with Aaron Gordon. Miami's a championship-caliber team. And I think this move could um, sneakily put um, Portland in right into that category as well. They've got some really good pieces there. Nurkic is coming back tonight for them to play. They'll have their big three back with McCollum, Nurkic, and Damian Lillard. They've barely had those three healthy the past few seasons at all. So now adding a guy like Norman Powell in there can really be a, the fourth piece they actually they've been desperately missing to go make a to finish off a playoff run in the loaded west um yeah i think that the for there were a couple teams that you mentioned that need to make a move uh, in order to actually like stay alive and be a team that actually compete especially this year um it seems like it's almost wide open now with all the inconsistencies and injuries that are going on in the league, especially at the top. So making a move, I expected a kind of a bigger splash, but it's kind of hard to figure out a move. But I think, like you said, Norman Powell is probably a better fit for them just overall and timeline wise. So this is a good move for them. Um, and then honestly, probably the same, you could probably say the same thing about the Raptors. They're kind of in a transition phase. I expected Kyle Lowry to be moved on from today, but that didn't happen. So he'll stick around for a little bit longer. Uh, but he can be a good guy. But I like it fits with their players like Van Vliet and um, Siakam. So I think Gary Trent will be very good for them. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, the Raptors had a rough stretch recently where they lost eight or nine mm-hmm. games in a row. They really um fell all the way down in the East. They finally worked their way up back near the top of the East and then just fell right out of the playoff hunt. But like I said, the East has not been getting any better this season. There's still plenty of teams that are hovering around 500 or below 500 that are in the playoff picture. So Toronto could eventually get back into it. But if they do fall out, they can have the luxury of knowing that they still have this great young player in Gary Trent Jr. that they can uh, use for years to come. And they're going to keep Kyle Lowry. I think uh, ultimately, I think that's good for them. He's their franchise icon. He means so much more to Toronto than he does than he would any other basketball team. Um, so they could have gotten something for him, but um, we've talked about a lot of the teams um, trading for the big piece has been winning the trades. So if they felt that the um, buyers market just wasn't out there for Kyle Lowry, then I understand why they held on to him. Yeah, understandable. I mean, I, I don't know what they I don't know what they were searching for. I don't know. Uh how like valuable they were thinking they would get something back with Kyle Lowry as the you had to mention he's their franchise guy at this point. But I I mean, they're they're probably not doing anything this year. I think they understand that and that's probably why the decision is to do what they did. 
Um, moving on to another team that I think needed to make a move. And this was kind of a lesser move. I expected a little, little bit more. They made two moves. Um, but this is the more important one. They brought uh, Boston Celtics brought in Evan Fournier from the Magic as well. They decided to take a part in that clearance um, and that fire sale. And they traded two ra- for, uh, second round picks for Evan Fournier, who I believe is an expiring contract. So that makes sense. But he's a score. He's a guy who's going to come in. He's going to be a scorer and probably help them with something they've been lacking, and that's wing scoring. So I think this is a really good move for the Celtics. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think he's an upgrade over Jeff Teague off their bench. I'm not really sure if they were planning on starting him or bringing him off the bench, but I think he'll complement Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown well. Um, overall, I don't think he's much of a needle mover out there in the East. Uh, the Celtics still have lots of problems they're going to have to address and fix if they want have hopes of seriously contending once the playoffs come around. But I think he's a solid guy. And if um, a Kemba Walker or a Marcus Smart is really struggling offensively, Evan Fournier might be the better, less selfish option to put into the game uh, to complement Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So I think overall that was a good move. All right, and then a nice, a little fun one, um, but also I think could have some good implications just based on uh, what's going on there. Uh, Lou Williams is off the Clippers, and he's been traded to his hometown team, the Atlanta Hawks, and uh, sent back was Rajon Rondo. So now Rajon Rondo is heading back to Los Angeles, but for the other Los Angeles team, and we saw how he could be in the playoffs last year. And he hasn't really been like that for the Hawks this year. But I think playing for a contender, that could all change his attitude. So this, I think this is a great move for the Clippers. How do you feel about it? Playoff Rondo. Don't ever count out playoff Rondo. Um, the Hawks kind of envisioned him coming in and really helping them as a veteran leader and then ultimately helping them in the playoffs. But he's been hurt for almost the majority of this season, so their vision of what he would do for them hasn't really worked out. But I think if he do- can get healthy, I really think he can help this Clippers team. Playmaking is by far that their biggest need um, out there. They have a lot of scorers, a lot of guys who can even create their own shot, but just not a lot of guys who can set up shots for other people. So I think he'll he'll really help them. The key for him is, one, that he's healthy and they're in the playoffs. But two, can he play like he did last year in the bubble? I didn't think he would be a needle mover for the Lakers last year. But then he went in there and shot over 40% from three. Was phenomenal offensively and defensively. Really complimented LeBron and AD well. So he might be able to do the same thing for the Clippers. Obviously, he'll know a thing or two about the Lakers, having just been with them on a championship team. So he can also give the Clippers some insight if they do have to play the Lakers. Um, so I, all in all, I think it was a really good move. I'm not sure how Lou Williams fits in with the Hawks though. He'll be coming off the bench as their sixth man. Um, he'll probably look to do mostly scoring there. The Clippers have kind of asked him to juggle back and forth between scoring and playmaking, which I don't think bodes well for him, which is why his numbers have been so inconsistent. Um, I think Lou Williams, he'll like the move going back home. I'm just not sure how much it really helps the Hawks. Yeah, for the Clippers, this was a, again, like another low risk, uh, high reward type deal. Lou Will wasn't really doing much for them this season. And sending him over to Atlanta isn't really that big of a deal. Um, I do know one thing that his, he'll fit right in with Atlanta just because they're a bunch of scorers. You don't play any defense. So he might enjoy that <laughs> a lot. And I know that Magic City's very happy to have their hometown boy come back home. And, you know, I think their wings, they're about to see some sales, a lot more sales with those Lou, wing, uh, the, Lou Will wings. That's, they're the world's best wings, according to Lou Williams. Yeah, and I'm sure he's excited to go back home as well. Um, 
Moving on from, from trades, some of the trades that didn't happen, we mentioned the Kyle Lowry, but the Cavaliers were unable to find a Andre Drummond trade, which I can't say I'm not sh- I'm shocked about. And then also the Spurs were unable to move on from LaMarcus Aldridge. Those guys probably will come out and be top uh, buyout candidates. Um, do you have any predictions or any places where you feel like they might end up or you like any ideas where – they could what could happen next for any of those teams i think drummond is most likely going to the lakers they've um had guys similar to him in the past that are just really big can't really shoot or stretch the floor but they rebound well and they cover the paint decently so i think uh that would be a pretty good fit for him especially with ad um being really knocked up with the with the achilles injury andre drummond would really help him um as a um force down low in the paint also, um, LaMarcus Aldridge, I think we're hearing Clippers and a few other teams could be interested in him. I'm not really sure where he'll go. Any, I think uh, there are a lot of teams that could really use his scoring as long as it's coming off the bench in, um, short, in a shortened role. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, we'll really see. It'll be interesting to see where those guys go and if they can help a playoff team. I think LaMarcus Aldridge to Celtics I, was something that was rumored. I don't know. Again, like you mentioned, I don't know how much help he could be to a, uh, to a team at this point in his career, but he could be just, again, like a scoring off the bench, and that's what they need. I think that's a very likely landing spot for him. Um, I didn't touch on it, but I want to get onto it and go back to the Nuggets conversation because I kind of uh, forgot about it, but it was very – one of the first trades of the day was JaVale, uh, JaVale McGee was moved to the Nuggets. And I want to kind of throw back uh, what we were talking about the Aaron Gordon, where I was talking about how they kind of got that Paul Millsap um, and J- Jeremy Grant. Well, JaVale McGee, I think, will be your uh, your Mason Plumley role too. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I just want to get back and touch on that because I just remember that now. I feel like that's a, a the Nuggets did a really good job. I think they're the number one winners to this deadline, um, just simply because I think they've really done well to improve on their team and fill the roles that they lost in the offseason. And then I would say that um, the losers for this deadline are definitely the Houston Rockets based on what happened with the Oladipo deal. And that simply put uh, a struggle for them, and they're going to have to find figure out what happened with the uh, – what, what happens with the lottery if they keep their pick or not. And it's going to be uh, a long rebuild for them, I think. Uh, do you have any winners or losers from this deadline? Yeah, so one of the teams we talked about a lot is the Miami Heat. I have them as my biggest winner. Obviously, I talked about the Victor Oladipo move and extent. But another player they picked up from the Sacramento Kings is, I um, might not be able to pronounce his name correctly, but it's Nemanja Bel. Bejelica is <laughs> he is a power Bejelica. Bejelica. Yeah. He is a power forward on the Kings. He's a great stretch four. He's plays very much like Jay Crowder, which is a guy who is obviously huge for the Heat. And it's been very well documented that he's exactly the type of player that they've been missing. They really haven't been getting good minutes out of their power forward position. And then they traded Kelly Olynyk in the Victor Oladipo deal, what guy they were playing at that position. So now they get him back. They fortify that position. They get their big score that they need. I love the Miami Heat. I think they can absolutely go back to the finals this year with the team they have now. It's just a matter of putting it all together for them, and I think they could easily win the NBA Finals. So I have them as my biggest winner. And my biggest loser, uh, and this is something I wasn't really too sure about because I think a lot of teams didn't really make moves that could have, and some teams that we weren't expecting to make moves did. But my biggest loser is probably the Boston Celtics. They didn't really do anything to fix the um, chemistry issues they have going on there. They just brought in one more guy that may or may not um, contribute for them. So I think the Celtics probably needed to go make a move. I mean, that's true. I think the Celtics, they kind of sat back. They made like, they made a couple moves, but I don't know how much better they got. They definitely had that trade exception that they needed to use. And 
Uh, I think that a big thing was, I think Marcus Smart was kind of like the easy contract to move. And I don't think they were right. They wanted to move Marcus Smart. But like they have plenty of young guys. They could have done something. And they really just have sat back and not really done anything, especially the last couple of deadlines. Like there's their team where I think they definitely could have fixed their problems if they actually really went out there and tried to do it. But I think they've been too afraid to make moves or change the core that's there. And that might be the issue they've had. Um, in the past and going forward for the season. And I, I don't, again, Evan Fournier, great piece, but uh, I'm with you. I don't know if this like pulsers them to title contention. I think they're probably just going to be a solid team or stick around where they are uh, currently. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then moving on here to one of my favorite segments, we're bringing it back this week. It is the spotlight game of the week. This week, I have a game that'll be on Monday night between two finals contenders again, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Los Angeles Clippers. It'll be on uh, NBA TV for those of you who watch it on cable or you guys can always stream it online. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? Um, I think it's gonna be pretty good. Uh, we seem to like the Bucks a lot in the spot, spotlight games of the week. Uh, I think they've been at least two of the, of the three we've done. Um, but you know, I like the Bucks. They added PJ Tucker last week. I like how he can come in. He's a lower usage rate guy, but he makes a big impact on the court on the other side. Um, so I think the Bucks are going to be pretty solid. I like to see how they mesh going forward and they can really get back to being the team that they were last year and if they can get over the hump. And then the Clippers, Rondo, uh, you say he isn't healthy, but like they, they made a move to, uh, try and push themselves in the, like better direction and obviously we've talked about the clippers as well where they just they have to prove themselves in the playoffs but like like i said it's it's wide open now um i think they're a team that could really uh, make a push and actually go for it this year and get it this year so um this is gonna be a good matchup and it should be a fun one yeah the bucks are quietly one of the hottest teams in the nba they've won nine out of their last 10 games so i think they could really keep it going here against the clippers and prove that they're a team that can make it to the finals and then for the clippers we'll have to see rondo's debut like you mentioned uh but i completely agree with you that the league is wide open and that's something else i wanted to get into is there's been a slew of injuries going around in the nba specifically a lot of superstars the past week or two uh, Steph Curry is out. He's going to miss one week. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are both injured right now. They're going to miss several more weeks. LaMelo Ball um, hurt himself. He's uh, going to be out indefinitely, may miss the rest of the season or around up to a month. Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the Oklahoma City Thunder is going to be out for just about the rest of the season. Um, so with all these injuries, also Joel Embiid is injured right now. He may not be back for another week or two. A lot of these teams are around the top of their standings. They could really start to fall. The Lakers are, I believe, the four seed right now. And so um, for them, they could easily fall to the sixth seed because the Portland Trailblazers are only two and a half games behind them at the sixth seed. So if they fell all the way to the sixth seed, they would have a first-round matchup with the Los Angeles Clippers, which would probably be the greatest first-round matchup in NBA history. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so as insane, that would be one of the top finals contenders would go down right away in the first round. So I think it's really imperative that some of these backup players pick it up for the um, stars that are injured. But also for these injured guys, they just have to know that the clock is ticking, that the playoffs are coming around soon sooner rather than later. Same thing with Embiid out there in Philly. They still have the number one seed, but Brooklyn and Milwaukee are right on their heels. So um, if any one of these teams slips while their superstar is out, they may lose the, um, all the playoff momentum they've built up going this forward. Yeah, I think Philly, Embiid obviously was an MVP candidate before he went down. He was playing out of his mind, but they've really been able to shoulder the load um, without him. Like Ben Simmons has improved his scoring output as well, and just his uses uh, completely. He seems to always do that when they're on the court, but like they're really well built that I think they should be able to hold on and uh, keep them up, especially with the inconsistency and in the, in the not healthy nets behind them. 
like I said, the Bucks are sneaky. They could probably get up there if they stay hot, like you've mentioned. Um, in the West, the West is wide open. The West seemed like it was LeBron and AD and the Lakers just uh, repeat almost and just go through, like breeze through it. But like AD has been like a lingering injury for a long time. And then the unthinkable happened. LeBron James got an <laughs> ankle sprain. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty big deal because he'll probably be out like a month. And like, like you said, they Lakers will probably drop during that time when their best players, uh, uh, Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> so, um, so like it's wide open right now. Um, a lot of injuries, like it's just completely changing the, uh, the mindset of the entire league. And it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah, it's time to start taking the Utah Jazz seriously as a team that can make the finals out of the West. Especially, like I mentioned, if these draws start to end up really wacky where like the Clippers and the Lakers or two other high-profile teams meet up in the first or second round, uh, a team like the Jazz could walk to the finals potentially depending on how the draw works out. And also the Phoenix Suns, they're the two seed right now. I could easily see this team if um, as long as they didn't have to play both the Lakers and the Clippers in the playoffs. I could easily see them going to the finals on on a Miami Heat type run from last year. And then so moving on from that, I've got my best bets of the week. I've got a few different ones coming up for you guys. They're all going to be um, either from Friday or Saturday night's games. But my first one is going to be the Bucks versus the Celtics. They played these guys just a couple of days ago. Now they're going to play again. The Bucks beat them by two. Normally in these back-to-backs um, this season, they, uh, they almost have always resulted in a split. But I'm going to pick the Bucks to um, sweep the Celtics here in the back-to-back because the Celtics had a shot to beat the Bucks. They had a wide-open uh, shot to potentially send the game into overtime the other night. They missed it. I think they missed their shot at beating the Bucks. They're, the Bucks are really hot. I'm going to bet on them to beat the Celtics. And then I've got the Clippers beating the 76ers. I think they're going to struggle without Joel Embiid. Uh, ben Simmons and Tobias Harris have done a good job piecing it together for them, like you mentioned, uh, so they can stay relevant in the Eastern Conference and stay in the number one seed. But I think the Clippers will beat them. And then I've got the Jazz um, beating the Grizzlies in their first matchup on Friday night. Uh, the Jazz, I mean, betting on the Jazz has just been cash money for anyone that's done it all season long. They beat everybody. They blow most teams out. They cover just about any spread you throw in front of them. So I've got them beating the Grizzlies. And then uh, for my favorite segment, you've been talking about your favorite segments. It's NBA. We're back to the NBA. So obviously we had to have the oop of the week. And I think the oop of the week is easily the Houston Rockets front office. Just the moves they made, how they made that Oladipo move. We touched into it a lot already this podcast. So I don't want to go too deep into it. But the oop of the week is back, and the oop of the week is the Houston Rockets front office. And they need to do. They just need to do better in the future because this was a struggle. I know they're um, fairly new into their tenure at the Rockets, but they're not off to a hot start uh, this season. So. Hopefully they can turn it around because this has been a rough one. They've acquired a lot of picks and some assets, and they have a lot of pick swaps that could um, be really big for them down the line in the future. But right now they have no clear direction as an organization. They still have a couple of um, good aging players like John Wall and Eric Gordon that are just uh, seemingly eating the front office's money there, not helping them win at all. And then they've got some well, like picks that they're not going to be able to use for years down the line. So I'm not really sure what the Houston Rockets' timeline or plan for winning is going forward. Yeah, well, James, this wasn't a crazy deadline. This was, wasn't certainly wasn't one of the like, you know super eventful, super like superstars on the move type deadline. But you know, a lot happened. I think a lot of teams uh, took took some swings. I think the Denver Nuggets they got better. I think the Miami Heat got better. 
Um, all in all, I think this was a pretty solid deadline and a pretty solid day. I would agree with that. And we already saw like James Harden got moved a couple of months ago in January, and there were some other moves like the Blake Griffin buyout. So some of the things already happened beforehand. And when you factor into it in, with the entire trade season throughout the past few months, it's been a really active um, deadline. And um, credit to the teams and the NBA front offices for making moves. Absolutely. So uh, I think that's just about to do it, uh, do it for us. Um, make sure you check us out uh, and follow us on all of our social medias. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. Um, that's just going to do it for us today. I'm Eric Barnes. I'm James Andrews. Uh, and we'll see you next week.